0: This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, hello. it is me, Elizabeth Benton, hanging out with you again for our third installment of this Fat Loss Basics series. I told you guys that I want to kick off the new year with this series of consecutive episodes on the basics of fat loss, the most important elements related to hormones, calories, fat, protein, carbohydrates, and fitness. And the goal of this series is to really give you all of the information you need to know Nothing more and nothing less. I could easily get into the weeds and talk about all the details and the frequently asked questions, but the reality is this. Most of the nuanced stuff doesn't matter. Most of that stuff is what I call small rocks, small rocks. In 2016, I told you guys my focus is less but better. We don't need to know everything. We need to know the most effective things. We don't need to do everything. We need to do the most effective things. And so with this series, we are focusing on the most necessary elements of the topic. All right? So in part one, we talked about calories and hormones and how calories matter, but that they're not the be-all, end-all, and how hormones are really, really significant, and how we can create this hormonal environment for fat loss without anything special, just by managing our food and our lifestyle choices. Then in part two, we talked about carbohydrates, how carbohydrates influence fat loss, and the way to incorporate carbohydrates and really accelerate your progress towards your goals while increasing your energy and decreasing your cravings. Today, we're going to be talking about protein, and then Tuesday, we will dive into fat, Thursday, we'll talk about fitness, and then my goal for Saturday, and maybe the following Tuesday, but it depends, is Q&A episodes on your questions about these topics so I can make sure that you have everything you need. And then we're going to get back to really the implementation side of things to really take what we know and put it into action. So today, we're talking about protein. And I could spend a ton of time on different types of protein, branch chain amino acids, essential amino acids, protein bars, protein shakes, and I've already done a lot of that stuff. Today is just the most important things you need to know about protein. In the show notes over at PrimalPotential.com, I will link to previous episodes I've done on protein shakes, on protein bars, and on all those other things that they're interesting You might have questions, but they are not required for you to make progress towards your goal. So we're going to hit the essentials. We're going to talk about what you need to know about protein in order to accelerate your fat loss. We're going to talk about the most common mistakes that people make with protein. We're going to start with the basics, just so we're all on the same page understanding what we're talking about and what we're not talking about. Protein is a macronutrient. And you remember from the carb episode that a macronutrient is something that provides energy, and energy is measured by calories. So that's the difference between macros and micros. Macros are going to deliver energy as measured by calories, whereas micros do not contain calories. So they are not providing energy in the form of calories. They might have minerals or vitamins or whatever else. Those are micronutrients, all of your vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, but they don't contain calories. Your macronutrients are fat, protein, and carbohydrate, essentially. So when we look at protein, every single gram of protein contains the same amount of calories. So a gram of protein, whether it's from chicken or fish or an egg, a gram of protein delivers four calories. And I explain exactly what that means, but basically calories are a unit of measurement measuring the energy potential within a food. And when we talked about carbohydrates, I mentioned that carbohydrates also deliver four calories per gram of carb. But just because calories is the same per gram of protein and carbohydrate does not mean they act in the same way. So yeah, a gram of protein has four calories and a gram of carbs has four calories, but that does not mean that they're essentially equivalent. And so when people look only at calories, That's essentially what that presupposes, that a calorie is a calorie is a calorie and it doesn't matter whether you get it from carbohydrate or protein or fat, and that is not true. These calories act very differently depending on what they come from because the metabolic pathway for protein is very different from the metabolic pathway and the hormonal implications of digestion of protein versus carbohydrate. All right, you'll remember that in the episode, the previous episode, part two, where we talked about carbs, that I told you that the building blocks of carbohydrates are sugars, primarily glucose, but there's lots of other different kinds of sugars. Carbohydrates are chains of sugar. Proteins are chains of amino acids. And it's important, you might be wondering, like, okay, you said we're talking about the essentials. How is it essential to know the building blocks? Because during digestion all your macronutrients are broken down to their smallest building blocks. And that is a big part of what determines how they act and where they go and what happens during metabolism. So the building blocks of carbs are sugars. The building blocks of proteins are amino acids. Now, proteins are absolutely critical for health, for life. You'll remember that in the previous episode, I said that carbohydrates do not have a structural role in the body. Like, they are not critical. Yeah, your body does need glucose, which is one of the building blocks of carbohydrates, but your body can manufacture glucose from other things, from other, like, it can manufacture glucose from protein. So carbohydrates deliver energy, but they do not have, like, a structural role in the body other than energy. Proteins are very different. You must consume protein in order to build and repair muscle, to keep yourself healthy and well, to have a strong functioning immune system. Plus, proteins are the component that make up enzymes, right? That catalyze every single reaction in your body. Every enzyme in your body is a protein. So they are essential for life. We absolutely need protein to be healthy, to be well, to maintain our muscle mass. We must We must, but there is such thing as too much of a good thing, and we'll get there. The other thing to keep in mind is that protein is muscle sparing, muscle sparing. Basically, this is what that means. Your body needs protein for healing, for repair, for recovery, for function, to create enzymes that are needed to keep you breathing and blinking and your heart beating, right? Right. So if you are not getting enough protein, your body will break down your muscle tissue so that it gets that protein. So that's what I mean when I say that protein is muscle sparing. If you are consuming adequate protein, that makes sure that your body doesn't have to break down your muscle tissue or your organs for protein needs. So when you consume enough protein, you, you tell your body, like, I gotcha, it's okay. You don't need to go on a scavenger hunt through my muscle tissue to get the protein that you need. So that is really important. It's not just important for health and life, but it is also very important for body composition and for metabolism. If you are not getting enough protein and you're sending your body on this scavenger hunt, to scavenge its protein from your muscle tissue or somewhere else, that will lower your metabolic rate because you are losing muscle to give your body what it needs. And we need to remember that your muscle mass is more metabolically active. It requires more energy to maintain it than your body fat does. So if we put our bodies in a situation where they have to break down our muscle tissue to get the energy that it needs, we are essentially lowering our metabolic rate. No bueno. But also, this is why we see a lot of people who maybe don't lose weight the right way. They focus on like low fat, low calorie, and they're not getting enough protein. And then they have that sort of skinny fat look, like they're really flabby. When we put our bodies in a position that they break down our muscle mass, we look not fit and healthy and toned. So not only have we lowered our metabolic rate, but it really has a negative effect on our body composition. Like, most of us want to look good naked. We don't want to lose weight and then feel like a sack of skin, right? Or really, really flabby with lots of loose fat or loose skin or anything like that. We don't want that. So we certainly do not want to put our bodies in a position to break down the muscle tissue that is responsible for making us look healthy and fit and strong, right? So let's talk about a couple other things from a unique protein perspective about how protein helps with fat loss. And there are two key things that I really want to emphasize with you today, and that is satiety, protein's role in helping you feel full and stay full, and blood sugar, In part one of this, I talked so much about insulin and how managing insulin is critical if fat loss is your goal, and protein really helps us do that by helping us to maintain blood sugar. Now, protein is going to help you feel full. There is this general conception that if we have to create a calorie deficit to lose weight, then we're going to be hungry all the time. And a lot of people associate diets and weight loss with hunger. And that is just based on flawed strategy. It does not have to be that way. I will tell you this. I would not have been able to lose as much weight as I did if I was hungry all the time. I would have been miserable, and I wouldn't have been able to sustain it. So losing weight... And creating a calorie deficit does not mean hunger. And the other thing is hunger does not mean misery either. Like so many of us panic in the face of hunger. But as I say to my clients all the time, being hungry is not going to kill you. Your hunger is not an emergency. But more than that, when we make the right food choices, we can prevent those feelings of hunger. We can feel full and satisfied if we are making the right food choices. The challenge is that just a lot of people don't do it, right? Protein makes you feel fuller faster than carbs or fat, period. It just does. And I would love to geek out on like all of the science stuff, but I told you I was going to keep it to like the really essential stuff you need to know. But I am going to tell you a little bit about it so that you understand why when you have say, a big piece of chicken, you feel satisfied and you don't really want to eat anymore. But if you have a big bowl of pretzels or cookies, you could keep eating forever and ever and ever. Or you feel like you could eat all the bacon in the world, but you don't feel that way about, say, chicken thighs or fish. It is because there are these cellular receptors in and around your gut. And when we stimulate these receptors, we want to eat more. And when we block these receptors, it blunts our appetite, or it makes us feel kind of satisfied. Certain foods trigger these and overexcite these receptors, and so that's why we don't really feel full. But protein has been shown to help block these receptors, and so we feel fuller faster. And there is a lot of research... To support this, you can go to PubMed.gov and search protein and satiety, and you will find a plethora of studies showing that when you increase protein, you tend to decrease your overall intake because you are less hungry. In one particular study, they took overweight participants, right, and they controlled their protein intake. They were giving them, instead of 15% of their calories from protein, they were giving them 30% of their calories from protein. And when they switched and increased their percent of calories from protein to 30%, the average participant consumed 440 fewer calories per day. That's huge. And they lost an average of 11 pounds in 12 weeks. That's huge. They did it without counting calories and without intentionally trying to diet, because they reported that they were far less hungry. Without even trying, they were eating 440 fewer calories per day, and they lost almost a pound a week. That is major. And I do want to point out also that this is in part why Low-carb diets seem to be so effective because when you reduce one macronutrient, you make up for it with another, right? And when you make up for it with protein, you have less of an appetite. When you're eating a lot of carbs, not only do you have the sort of blood sugar and insulin fluctuations that make you more hungry, that make you experience more cravings, but when you're eating more carbs, you tend to be eating less protein, so you don't have that satiety effect. It's so, so major. There was a study out of the University of Sydney, and what it did, it took 240 calories of a bunch of different types of food. So like 240 calories worth of chicken, 240 calories worth of beef, 240 calories worth of eggs, 240 calories worth of rice, candy bars, cookies, fruit, you name it. And it ranked the satiety factor, how quickly you felt full and how long after eating you wanted to eat again. And far and away, the, the foods with the higher amount of protein made you feel fuller faster and extended the amount of time before you felt like you wanted or needed to eat again. So the satiety is one thing. Then the blood sugar effect is the other. Protein really helps to manage blood sugar. And by managing blood sugar, we help to control insulin. And remember, when insulin is chronically elevated, that's when it gets really, really hard or impossible to burn fat. So because protein is digested more slowly than carbohydrate... It has kind of a stabilizing effect on your blood sugar, so you avoid those peaks and valleys that lead to hunger and cravings, and you don't have the insulin response that you see from carbohydrates. And when we control blood sugar and control insulin, we also see positive changes in cholesterol and triglycerides and inflammation and things like that. So in the last episode, I talked about how carbs don't really satisfy you and how blood sugar manipulation increases your hunger and cravings, when we increase protein and we follow the golden rules of carbs and fat loss, not only do we free ourselves from the hunger and cravings that are associated with the higher carb diets, but we also experience less hunger, more satiety overall because of the protein. But I really want to make sure that I emphasize mistakes that people make when it comes to eating protein. And I know I've written about this before, and I'll link to this blog post in the show notes. But for me personally, (laughs) I used to kind of think that like, if it was a whole food protein, like chicken or fish or beef, it was healthy. And so even if I wasn't necessarily hungry, I could go back for seconds or I could snack on leftover chicken thighs because it was healthy so it wouldn't really hurt me. But that is really misleading, and that is because of what the body does with excess protein. Now, I want to do a quick comparison here just so you understand where I'm going with this. When we think about the other macronutrients, carbohydrates and fat, there is a storage form in the body for carbs. There is a storage form in the body for fat. There is not, however, a storage form for excess protein. It has to be converted to be stored. So, when we consume excess carbohydrates, it gets broken down to glucose, right? Its simplest parts. And then the glucose can be stored either in our muscle or our liver. In the form of glycogen, basically long chains of glucose, right? That's the storage form for carbs. Granted, it's limited. So when that storage space is full, it gets converted to fat, and it either circulates through the blood, or it's stored in your adipose tissue as body fat, or it circulates in the blood, or it's uh, stored in your adipose tissue. With fat, there's certainly a storage form, like that's what many of us are struggling with. Excess fat can be stored in your adipose tissue, or it can circulate freely through your blood. There is not such a storage form for protein. Now, protein is used throughout the body. It's used to, as sort of a raw material for healing and repair and recovery. It's used in our muscles. It's used to form enzymes, you name it. It's used for a lot of different things. But when we overconsume protein beyond our body's needs, it is typically converted to glucose. And stored when there's an excess in the same way that excess glucose is stored. And how is that? It's going to, first of all, it's going to raise your blood sugar, and you're going to have an insulin response, so that's going to turn off your fat-burning potential. Well, that's dealt with. But it also then spills over into your body fat. No bueno. Plus, it can also be a little bit taxing on your body. In order to metabolize protein, your kidneys have to remove the nitrogen, from the amino acids, remember those are the building blocks, and then it creates ammonia as a byproduct, which has to be turned into waste and excreted in your urine. So it can be taxing on the body, basically, when we over-consume this. So we really have to pay attention to it. People tend to lose sight of, or maybe are never aware of, that your body can generate glucose via a process called gluconeogenesis from... Amino acids, the building blocks of proteins. Now, I told you I wasn't going to go into the weeds and like geek out, but in the show notes, I am going to make a list of the amino acids that are glucogenic, which means they can be used to generate glucose, and the ones that are not, which are known as ketogenic. All right, I'm going to put that list in there, but keep in mind that most proteins are a blend of amino acids. So it's not like, oh, I'll just, I'll just avoid the glucogenic amino acids. If you're eating food, you can't do that. It's just, I like the science geeky stuff. So I'm going to put that over in the show notes in case you're curious about it. The other thing to consider is that consuming too much protein can lead to dehydration. And I've talked about how dehydration can impair fat burning in previous episodes. Now, this comes down to, okay, so I need enough, but I don't want to eat. I don't want to have too much. Where is that line? And it's different for everybody. I do not feel responsible saying it's X many grams per pound of body weight because those are just guesses. They really are, and here's why. Because it depends on... When, when we look at what is excess and what is not enough, it depends on the overall picture. How much are you eating overall? How many carbs are you eating? How much fat are you eating? How active are you? How often do you eat, right? How many meals or snacks do you have in the day? Are you sick? Do you have a compromised immune system? Are you an athlete? How much muscle mass do you have? Because that determines how much healing and repair in the muscle tissue your body has to do. So I don't want anybody to get hung up on the numbers because remember, and I will say this until I am blue in the face, your body is always communicating with you. Your body is going to let you know what is working and what is not working. For example, if you feel like you're eating really clean, but your body is not responding with the fat loss that you want, look at your tracking document and say, hmm, Maybe I could dial back the protein at one of my meals or one of my snacks and see what happens. Or maybe you ask the same question about fat. I know I had a conversation with one of my coaching clients the other day, and I was like, you're making great food choices, but you're sort of heavy-handed on the fat. So dial that back for a day or two and see how you feel and see how your body responds. You have to pay attention to what you are doing. It's totally fine to have a serving of protein with your meals and snacks. And imagine a serving kind of about the size of the palm of your hand. But at the same time, do you need double chicken on your Chipotle bowl? And I'm I'm raising my hand. I've done that a lot. Do you need that? Probably not. Do you need to snack on protein shakes? Probably not. Do you need to eat a steak the size of your face? Probably not. Do you need to go back for seconds on the chicken thighs? Probably not. Right? So, a lot of it, so many times, and a lot of you listening right now are going to get hung up on the numbers. You don't need to get hung up on the numbers. You just have to really pay attention to your body. See what your body is responding to. Are you recovering well from your workouts? Is your body changing in the way that you want it to be changing? I found out that I was eating too much protein because I was like, damn, I'm eating really clean, but I'm not moving towards my fat loss goals. And then I was like, oh, well, Elizabeth, you're drinking a protein shake out of a flower vase every afternoon. So that might be a place to start. But we really want to focus on how we feel, how we're recovering, and then look at our tracking document and say, if my body isn't progressing in the way I want it to progress, what can I dial back? And if we look at carbs and say, am I following the golden rules of carbs and fat loss? No? Okay, start there, because that's going to have a huge impact on insulin. If that's all in check, what's fat looking like? Am I maybe overdoing it with the fat? Sometimes I see people who are like, "Uh, I had bacon and eggs and avocado for breakfast, and then I had a cup of Bulletproof coffee mid-morning, and then I had salmon with avocado and some chia seeds with an olive oil vinaigrette at lunch. That is a lot of fat. Now, if your body's responding, that's totally fine. But if it's not, you can easily see, gee, there's like three or four servings of fat with every meal. Maybe i dial it down and see what happens. Same thing with protein. If you realize that you're having six salmon cakes, in your meal, and I've, hello, I'm using that as example because I've done that before, or you're always going back for chicken thighs and you're thinking, oh, well, it's a good healthy choice. Listen, if your body's not responding, it's not responding. A healthy food isn't healthy in infinite amounts, right? I used to think that it was kind of like free because it was healthy, but even a healthy food consumed in excess is going to prevent fat loss or even potentially lead to fat gain, Now, another mistake that a lot of people make that I just want to mention really quickly here, and I've written about this on the blog, so I'm not going to go into a ton of detail and it's not totally essential for you to understand every intricacy, a lot of people look at beans as a protein. Beans are a carbohydrate that contain protein, but they are a carbohydrate. So when we look at the composition of our meal, we need to treat them like a carbohydrate, When we talk about proteins, and I've done an episode before on vegetarianism, so I'm not going to go into that here, but let's not count beans as a protein. They do contain protein, but they are a carbohydrate with protein in it, okay? So when we're talking about protein, we're talking about um, eggs, fish, chicken, beef, shellfish, all of that kind of stuff. Those are great proteins. Now, the other thing I want you to really keep in mind is relativity. Relativity. It's frustrating sometimes to see people searching for very specific numbers. What represents an improvement for you? Six salmon cakes might represent a significant improvement when compared to three slices of pizza. So if your body is responding, that matters. For example, the other day in my my group coaching Um, Facebook page, the private page, uh, somebody posted a picture of their breakfast, and it was two slices of bread with banana and Nutella for breakfast. Now, is that what I would recommend as a fat loss breakfast? No, right? It's sugar, sugar, and more sugar. But does that mean that she won't lose fat eating it? No way, because how do I know that that's not a huge improvement from hash browns with biscuits and gravy or pancakes or whatever else, right? So we have to keep in mind that improvement is relative. If you were previously having four protein shakes a day and you decide to get double chicken on your Chipotle bowl, that doesn't mean you're not going to get results. It's relative to you and your body and what you were eating before. So let's keep that in mind. Now, as far as resources, if you feel like you still have some questions, please feel free to email me. I'm happy to help, and I'm going to be doing these Q&A follow-up episodes in about a week. But do check out the show notes page because I'm going to link to the Fat Loss Food Guide, episodes I've done in the past on too much protein, on beans, on overfeeding, all of that kind of stuff. And then the next episode in this Fat Loss Basics series is going to be all about dietary fat. So I'll see you in a couple of days for that one. Have a good one.